Hi, this is Doug Kay, the co-host of All About the Gear, and you're listening to This Week in Photo. Bandwidth for This Week in Photo is provided by the CashFly Content Delivery Network. Send your web content blazingly fast with CashFly. And now, pay as you go. Start with two terabytes free by going to C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com and use the promo code TWIP. This episode of TWIP is brought to you by Pocket Shooters, the newest addition to the TWIP network. It's a show focused on mobile phone photography. Get notified early by signing up at twip.pro slash pocket shooters. That's twip.pro slash pocket shooters. This episode of TWIP is brought to you by Photomatics, the easiest way to create stunning HDR photos. This is TWIP, episode 484, DJI Strikes Back. On the heels of the mountain of news streaming out of the Photokina Photography Show last week, DJI held their cards close to the vest to let things die down, and they made their announcement this week. Last week, GoPro invest with their new small-sized drone system, dubbed Karma. DJI answers this week with a similarly-sized drone with more capability called Mavic. Also, Panasonic reveals details about the successor to their wildly popular GH4 mirrorless camera called, wait for it, the GH5. Spoiler alert, this thing shoots 6K video. It's Tuesday, September 27th, 2016, and this is TWIP. Hey folks, welcome back to another episode of This Week in Photo. I'm your host, Frederick Van Johnson. Joining me today to discuss a few of the more interesting stories that are impacting and influencing photographers this week. I'm joined by Hampton's Portrait Photography and Instructor. Let me start that again. Hampton's Portrait. I said Hampton's Portrait Destructor. <laughs> well, maybe. You just don't know yet. I know. Are the Hamptons there? Are they not? Uh, Hampton's portrait photographer and instructor, Cheryl Dorskin. Hey, Cheryl, how are you? I'm great. Thank you. Welcome welcome back to the show. It's good to have you. Yeah, it's great to be here. And also my good buddy over there up in uh, somewhere in Oregon, Mr. Joseph Lidnaski from Twip. One of these days you'll come up here and visit and then you'll know exactly where we are. I want to come. I hear it's not that far and I hear it's ridiculously (laughs) beautiful up there. You're You're in Ashland, right? Ashland, that's right. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's a street called Ashland Avenue in Chicago. It's not a good place to be driving down most of the time. <laughs> well, a- Ashland here is a very good place to be driving down. So, all right, all right. Well, cool. Yeah, I definitely need to come up there and eat some of that food that you Instagram all the time. So yeah. that, uh, that maybe, needs to maybe, happen. maybe I'll feed you if you come up. We'll see. Yeah. All right. You know, I may not <laughs> leave if you feed me. So. <laughs> All right, guys, let's dive into the show this week. Uh, we got a lot of stuff to talk about. Some of the things that, that we're going to talk about are happening right now as we record the show. Uh, and that first thing is an announcement from DJI. I think DJI was really smart. They could have released this thing at Photokina, which was last week, but they waited a week later to announce this so that the, it, their news wouldn't get swept up in that cornucopia of news that was Photokina. And it's, you know, it's kind of like the the answer, the instant answer to GoPro's Karma drone. So DJI announced a brand new drone today called the Mavic, the M-A-V-I-C, which is an ultra portable foldable drone that does looks like and I'm just reading the specs as they're rolling out now. It looks like it does everything that my Phantom 3 Professional does, but it's like a transformer. And it folds up so you can put it in your backpack and rock and roll. I mean, this thing looks it looks kind of cool. But then again, I'm, I'm getting that reality distortion field going on. Joseph, let's start with you, man. You don't own a drone right now, as far as I know. Does this kind correct. of does this thing like push you over the edge? Like, OK, yeah, I could finally start thinking about getting a drone. Maybe, maybe. I mean, it certainly is. Uh, certainly makes that decision a lot easier. Especially the price point is quite low. It's uh, it's looking pretty sweet. I love the portability of it. That's awesome. But for me, the big thing that might actually make me finally get a drone is that the rules have changed. The FAA rules have changed. So now sure. mere mortals are legally allowed to fly these things. So for commercial use, and if I couldn't use it for commercial use, then I really have no interest in owning it. Yeah. Um, so this is. It's uh, it's pretty sweet looking, and it helps that it's like a little transformer that's just got a really cool wow factor. <laughs> yeah, and I'm looking at it. Cheryl, I definitely want to have you chime in on this. I'm looking at the photos of it, 
And on the bottom, there's something. Is that a camera on the bottom, or is that a tripod slot on the bottom? That's got to be the camera, the little round. Yeah, on the facing straight down. Maybe that's the vertical positioning camera or something. But it's uh, yeah, it looks fantastic. Mm. Cheryl, are you uh, are you in the drone the drone world at all yet? No, not yet. I I would like I would like to. I I like the fact that this one's small that you can put in your backpack. I think that's Mm -hmm. that's a real good selling point. So I'll definitely check that out. I'll have to find someone who has one and, you know, check it out. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah. It's a. I think, I think these kinds of drones, especially now that they're becoming less of a commitment, because we see the one that came out of Karma or came out of of GoPro, the Karma. There's this movement towards answering the main concern from most of us drone owners is like, you know, I want to go get these great shots, but it's a huge commitment to bring another camera bag and all the batteries and then the controller and then the iPad that goes on there and the controller has to be charged, iPad has to be charged, drone has to be charged, and even then you only get 13 or so minutes in the air per battery. You know, it's bulky, and then you overlay on that how things get more complex when you travel. So if you're going on a trip, like I'm going on, you know, several trips in the next couple of months here, I want to bring my drone with me, but it changes the whole the whole loadout, right, Joseph? I know you travel. It changes the whole loadout yeah, of the absolutely. night before when you're making the determination of what you can bring, what you can't bring, what you need to get the job done, what's, you know, all that stuff. And with the current drones, like my Phantom 4 or my Phantom 3 Professional, I love it, but it's it's another bag. So it changes, yeah. it changes the whole what are you going to carry on the plane with you, equation joseph what do you think i mean this one looks like granted we're just seeing this right now this is like breaking news but Mm -hmm. it looks like i could throw it in the back of my my peak design backpack in in rock and roll right yeah it's absolutely carry-on size i mean the the profile looks like it's about the size of a a, a ipad mini or something maybe even an iphone you know plus the bigger iphone um it's obviously considerably thicker than that but it's it's a tiny little device. It really does fit in your hand all folded up. It's pretty impressive looking. So, yeah, you could absolutely throw this into your backpack and off you go. Yeah, it's beautiful. It says folded horizontally. It's 83, is that millimeters? Um, and the width is 83 millimeters. And the length is 198 millimeters. And it weighs 743, is that just grams? Grams. <laughs> 743 grams. Okay. Um Jeez, and they announced, look at this, look at this, there's, uh, so it's got flight autonomy, so I think those are some of the features that were already in the current drones, a 4K stabilized camera, uh, flight performance, I read some of the earlier, some of the early uh, data on this is that it will go up to, what was it, 40 miles an hour? It's a, so, which is fast for something this tiny, It, it has a range of up to four miles that it can fly away from you. And it looks like they announced uh, this OcuSync thing that goes with DJI goggles. So you can put goggles on and be Superman and fly around. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. This, this is crazy. Fly by phone. So you can you could just essentially put the controls virtually on your Android or iOS device and forego the controller completely and fly just with the device, which is kind of crazy. That's kind of... We, we've already seen that in other devices, but to have it in a kind of, quote, pro-level device like this makes a whole lot of sense, which makes your loadout even smaller, because now it could just be the drone, that's it. And then when you're ready to fly, you run the app, and, and away you go. Yeah, it seems more user-friendly for someone like me who's never had used a drone, you know? Yeah, and I think that's probably the, you know... I mean, it's pro- not probably, it's obviously yeah. one of the directions that they're going to move in because they're trying to get, they're answering those questions from people like me that are, that are not Joseph. Joseph is looking at this from a, from a, a primarily, if not purely professional and commercial perspective. Like, can I make mm-hmm. money with this thing? If not on to the next guy, right? Me, I'm, I got a foot in both camps. I want to make money with it, but I also just want to have fun and fly around and take cool photos. So that's me. And then you, Cheryl, you represent the beginner, though the person that hasn't had a drone before, hasn't really considered one because they probably look too complex and too intimidating. Yet now you see this thing and you're like, well, maybe I could probably get into it. So yeah. they're hitting all three, all three legs of the tripod there. So 
I don't know. Cheryl, if you did get one, I know you live in the beautiful Hamptons up there, so there's am- amazing things to shoot up there. Well, you know, I, I used to, a um, long time ago, fly a plane, but mm. when I used to fly a plane, I didn't photograph. So right. now I can fly the drone and not fly the plane, so it's sort of it's sort of. Wait, you flew, a, you flew a plane as a, as a private pilot? Yeah. I was oh, going, well, so I was cool. going for my pilot license, so I... I got up to navigation. I soloed a bunch of times. Right here, there's an airport. When I first moved out here to the Hamptons, um, that's what I did. It was so, so cool. Yeah. Uh, that's one of my big regrets in life so far is when, when I was active duty Air Force, they have this program. If you're stationed on a base that has a, uh, a private airstrip, you know, all, all Air Force bases obviously have runways and all that. But some bases had private air clubs where... You know, you could go and you could, for the price of buying fuel, you they would train you how to fly and you could get certified wow. for essentially nothing. And I never did it. It was one of those things where it's like, you know what, next weekend I'll get around to it. Next weekend, then I got orders out of there. It was all over. Then now I'm now I'm the old man saying, oh, I should have done that. <laughs> we have a we have a great air force base here, military. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I God, I miss so it. So if you I ever come, know. I'll take you over there. All right. Well, we, can we go flying? Yeah, I mean, I, we'll have to go with someone, but yeah, there's there's all these private. That's where I used to learn. So yeah, uh-huh. we could have someone take us up. Well, yeah, maybe cool. you could take the military take us up. No, no, I don't. I'm, yeah, I got no connections there. I'm a, I'm a lowly, <laughs> I'm a lowly civilian now. So. And even if even if I was active duty, I don't, you know, it's like there's no way I could get in there. Joseph, so you're did you did you pull out your credit card, man? Are you uh, are you hitting the buy now button? <laughs> not quite yet, not quite yet, but uh, it is very interesting looking. Did you see anywhere when it's going to ship? I haven't uh, I haven't seen that. I'm looking at. Detail. I just clicked on buy now, uh, and it's a thousand dollars, so uh, nine hundred ninety nine dollars. Oh, that's interesting. Shipping. I thought on another page I saw it was going to be less than that. That's oh, here it goes. The remote. It if you, says if you get it without the remote, it's less. Oh, right, oh, okay. because you can fly it with just your phone. Um, it says shipping begins mid-October on a first-come, first-served basis, which means supplies That's pretty will soon. be limited. Wow. Wow. So add 300 if you want the uh, the remote control with it. That's Oh, and they redesigned the remote, too. Look at that. Wow, finally. See, they instantly made my Phantom 3 professional look like a Phantom 3 amateur. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Thank you, DJI. <laughs> So I don't know. So Joseph, Joseph, you've seen this this guy's out there. You, I know you you took a look at at GoPro's Karma drone. Mm-hmm. Would you, what, what do you think? Like if you're in the market for a drone and you're like, okay, I'm going to get one of these things. Would which one would you lean towards? Oh, DJI. I I, I, yeah. I, well, probably DJI, just because they got the history. Yeah. That they've been doing these things for a while. There's there's no question who owns this space, and I think I'd probably go with them. Yeah, uh, yeah, but then you know it's kind of like Avis. Remember the whole the whole marketing campaign campaign by Avis, the rental car company. I think it was in the eighties or nineties or something. It was their slogan was "We're number two. We try harder." <laughs> so, that's so, good. That was yep. You know that's that's uh, that's GoPro right now. We're number that's, two. We try harder. So hopefully yeah. that means they're gonna they'd be on point in terms of customer service. That's one area they could really crush DJI. DJI's oh, customer really? service. Is uh, it's the anti? I mean, yeah, customer service is like a, an oxymoron when it comes to DJI. <laughs> That's not good. Yeah, you know, my experience has been customer disservice with those guys. You know, it's so much so that I I think twice about ordering from the DJI website. Like I would wait really? until these things. Yeah, I like for me, like if I wanted to get this thing before I took off to Vietnam, I'd say you know what. Uh, I'm going to take the Phantom and I'll wait until supplies aren't limited and I'll order it off Amazon because I know Amazon's going to deliver it and I know they pick up the phone when I call and you know wow. and I know I've had good experience returning things to Amazon. I don't know if I have to return something to DJI. Is that going to mean I got to ship it to China? You know how does that work? You know, huh. so interesting. Yeah, well, that's, that's, if anybody's listening from DJI, that certainly is not a good yeah. Uh, testimonial. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's just my, my experience, and my experience came from not from the Phantom. The Phantom I have, I bought from Amazon, you know, because of this very reason. But my uh, that guy back there, which is my Osmo, Osmo from DJI, I they announced this vertical 
uh, stabilizer because that that thing is basically a camera that's it's like a drone camera on a handle that you can walk around with. So they one of the problems with those is when you walk, the it can stabilize lateral motion, but it can't stabilize vertical motion. So if you don't hold it still and walk, kind of like we like you got a book on your head kind of thing. You see a little bit of bouncing in the footage, okay. so they introduce this this arm that you attach to the camera that goes between the handle and the camera that counteracts that. So it's just like oh, a little a little Iron Man arm that goes in there that counteracts the the movement of your actual walk. And it wasn't that expensive, so I was like, yeah, I'm going to order one. So I ordered one, and you know, it said, you know, payment once payment is confirmed, we will ship within a week. Three weeks went by, four weeks went by. No. Finally, get on. I talked to them, and I get. People that it didn't seem like, I don't know, because I didn't see them, but it didn't seem like English was like their first language. So I, there was a communication barrier between me and the person on chat trying to get results. And they didn't have, at the time, a customer service area that I could go directly to. So I had to mm-hmm. go through a sales thing. It was just it was just a mess. And I ended up canceling, and then I had to actually send an email requesting to cancel the order. There was no like cancel order button on the page. I had to send an email to a special email address with the email number or the, the, the order number and all this stuff and request that they canceled. Then a couple of days later, I get a, requ- a response saying, you know, why did you want to, <laughs> it was just bad. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, okay, this is the last time I will put myself in, you know, in this tar pit. <laughs> so. Wow. Well, that's too bad. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully they fixed it. I mean, they have enough money to fix it. I mean, hopefully they've they've gotten the hint because I can't be the only one that was complaining about their customers. Right, of course. So yeah. So anyway, that's enough. That's the that's the Mavic Pro from DJI. I think I will probably buy one, but I will buy it from Amazon <laughs> when it comes out. Good to know. Good to All know. right. So the, the other story I want to talk to you guys about initially um, here is about Flickr. So our friend Thomas Hawk from the Thomas Hawk Digital Connection, he uh, he wrote this article that that prompted me to put this in the show notes. So this is the blurb I wrote. So in the wake of a very public de- decline punctuated by the revelation of what may be one of the largest security breaches in history – the historic Flickr continues to push forward. The group has revamped their homepage and made several other under-the-hood changes that friend of TWIP, Thomas Hawk, says is 1,000 times better. So my question to both of you guys, and we'll start with you, Cheryl, is Flickr here to stay, or is the service caught on the wrong side of Yahoo's black hole event horizon? <laughs> so, what do you think? I don't even know. Uh, I I think um, I guess matters what happens to Yahoo. You know. Mm-hmm. Well, Yahoo's gone. You know, for yeah. all intents and purposes, Yahoo is you know being dissolved in in the belly of a beast right now. So you know, it's it's kind of going away. I, I guess I wouldn't feel so comfortable having my photo library on Flickr. I mean, I mm-hmm. would I would m- mirror it somewhere else. I mean, yeah. Oh, yeah, always. You know, I, I've never used Flickr. I know some people really like it, but... Um... I started on Flickr. So Flickr was, was, like, in the heyday, Flickr was the place. Flickr was where you put your images. I remember us doing shows on Flickr and, and having the discussions about how people were crowdsourcing on Flickr you, instead of, like, putting your best up there. And this is kind of where 500px, part of part of what led to their rise, was people, instead of saying, okay, these are my three good images or my one good image, I'm going to work on that, make it beautiful, and upload it, people would upload their entire camera roll and right. wait for people to say, oh, yeah, I like image number 432. That was... <laughs> or <laughs> that was it was awesome. just a great place to store your photos. Yeah, you know, was, or just it was a backup. Great, it was a backup, so... yeah. Yeah, but now we have Google, we have Apple's vying for your images, 500px is vying for your images. Amazon. You know, Sm- Amazon, Smug Mugs, and Folio. There's all these different places. Joseph, is Flickr, re- is it relevant or is it, like I said, on the wrong side of Yahoo's event horizon? Well, I think it's relevant to their audience. There are so many Flickr users and so many people that just do, like you said, dump basically everything up there. As long as they've got a revenue model, and I know you can go Flickr Pro or whatever. Right? Mm-hmm. Actually, I, yeah. is this still even a thing? Can you do that still? Mm-hmm. Um, pay for it Flickr? It says okay. 49. So, okay. So there is still a revenue model. At least there's that. You know, A lot of companies don't really have a good revenue model. But 
it's not for professionals. It still isn't. You know, it it just looks. It's looking more and more like 500px. You can tell where they're getting their design inspiration. Yeah. But 500px just kicked butt so quickly when they came out and started doing what they do. You know, the world doesn't need yet another photo bank. So this one's been around forever. And for those who've been using it, sure, why not keep on using it? You just you know it, you use it. But I've never felt any reason, any draw into Flickr. It's just too. As a professional photographer, I have to kind of a respect for my brand. I need to represent myself in a certain way. And putting my galleries on Flickr that I'm going to then share with a client on Flickr, no, that's that's mm-hmm. not okay. It's so, like e- emailing them from a, a CompuServe email address or something. Right, right? AOL.com email address. It's just, not, it's just not for me. It's not for us. It's not our target. We're not the target market. But I'm sure there are plenty of people who are very happy with it and will be very happy to see the improvements. It does look better than last time I looked at it. But like I said, it's looking more and more like 500px. But I wonder, I wonder if these changes are too little, too late. Yeah, and so moving down the path of saying, hey, yeah, people, people like what 500px is doing. Let's try to embrace and extend that. But this is all in the wake of being sold, you know, sure. all the controversy with the hack. and Well, that's, you know, that's a separate issue, and that's huge. That's yeah, so there's like, do you, okay. do you, and then all, you know, then, then all, like I mentioned at the top, all these other services where you, you have all these options to put your images on. Why? I mean, other than like what Cheryl was saying, other than, okay, this is historic and you already have, you've had your images there forever. Even then, like, no, I think you said it, Joseph, even then I would be... You know, it's kind of like it's kind of like the uh, the the old saying you're talking about how you know the, the people in a flood, like a Katrina type flood, they're on the roof waiting for help, but turning down turning down life rafts, waiting on the right life raft to show up, and then ultimately never shows up, and then to their own demise. This is kind of it reminds me of Flickr in some ways. There there are all these things that are happening, and the company Yahoo, the parent company, is taking all these hits. Shouldn't this be a hey? You know, get into your life raft and paddle away because there are all these other islands around that are beautiful or waiting for your images, whether it be Google, Apple, whomever, you could do right. that. Why are you staying put on, on Flickr? Yeah. No uh, idea. Yeah, I no don't know. Idea. I mean, you know, and I would love for the listeners and to, to kick in. We got to get Thomas Hawk on because Thomas Hawk says it's 1,000 times better. But what does that mean? So if... If 500px is 10,000 times what Yahoo was, and Yahoo finally got 1,000 times better, you know, you yeah. still got a long way to go before you get up to where 500px is. And if you look at what Google is doing, Google's galleries look beautiful. I mean, they're beautiful as well, you know, notwithstanding the whole privacy things that, you know, whenever sure. you look at anything Google related, you got to think, you know, I, I assume anything I put on Google for the most part is going to be seen by other people than me right even emails you know my email is in gmail and i just make an assumption that you know it's probably not going to happen but you know the the emails are subpoenable and whatever so you know you might as well just assume that there's no privacy with this stuff so i don't know i don't know it's uh it's interesting we should have, have thomas talk thomas hawk chime in joseph so you yeah, mentioned- it'd be good to get someone's opinion who actually uses it on a regular basis because certainly I don't, so I'm just looking at right. it from the perspective of I've never had any desire, any draw to use it. I do have an account. Uh, there's certain things that I post that automatically get cross-posted to there. Instagram, for example, there's a Flickr button, so I always turn it on. Mm-hmm. So that stuff is there. But I get very little interaction on there, very little uh, commenting or likes or anything. It's just it's not a, an area that I focus on in the slightest. So if you, if, you post, if you post to Instagram, you have it automatically pumped over to Flickr? So you, are, right. you have some activity over there, but it's not like you – go in there and answer comments and check it out from time to time, no. right? No. Lightroom mm. makes it easy to post to Flickr also. But, uh, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I think there's people who... I, I mean, I know people who really enjoy Flickr. They have their audiences. They have, you know, there's it's comfortable workspace for them. I think it's fine. I just... I think for anyone new, I would go somewhere else. I, yeah. I just... Well, yeah. on that, on that, so switching to armchair quarterback mode... So if so, does Flickr does Flickr? I mean, you've got a gigantic user base right now, right? So people look to Flickr for metrics like what's the most popular phone in the world. People always say, you know, according to Flickr, the iPhone is the most popular phone. So it's still it's still got the giant mass of users in there, which is yep. a huge a huge huge asset. 
even if it's not attracting more and there's a, even a little bit of attrition off of there, it's still a gigantic mass of users that have user accounts over there. So what should, Joseph, what should happen? So should Flickr continue to try to reinvent itself to remain relevant or should they be looking for a suitor like to sell their users over to a 500px or a google or someone like that to give them kind of a, a safe harbor for the transition i don't know can you sell the user someone just stole 500 million of them oh yeah i guess you can <laughs> no. yeah well you know what i mean i mean if they're gonna do it legally yeah. and make a big make a yeah make yeah. some money off of it you know why not well, obviously they've got to uh they got to try. I mean, you know, it is a business. There are employees. They got to try and stay relevant. So, sure, they're going to keep on trying whatever they can. I'm, I'm looking at it now. This new magic view that is doing some machine recognition, and I see this thing, animal cat, and I'm looking at what are supposed to be pictures of cats in my collection, and there are uh, eight pictures here. There's a couple of pictures of bears. There's a pig. There's two mice, a cactus, and one cat. Wait, and you're supposed to be looking at cats, and it's showing you a cacti. <laughs> yeah, here let's uh, let's. Uh, well, maybe that kind of go. cactus. There, there maybe it's you... a. Uh, let me make you go full screen. There's my screen. So yeah, so there's the animal. There's a yeah, a couple bears, pig. There's a cat, mice, and a cactus. So, you know. Um, well, maybe those th- those are things that a cat might potentially eat or <laughs> pee on or something. I don't know. <laughs> This sculpture one, there's a couple of people in the sculpture picture, sculpture collection. Now, to be fair, the machine learning on photos, Apple's photos, is not flawless by any stretch of the imagination. But, oh, look, it got the food right. Um, so definitely look a lot of food. You can, food. Oh, look at all that food. Me. <laughs> That's funny. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's you know, whatever. I don't yeah. know. I'm not you know, excited. You know, a related story I saw earlier this week was uh, Google is making some significant strides on their image recognition AI, and I think they even open-sourced it last week, where it is taking aim at being able to add real-world captioning to images rather than just like, okay, this is a cat, this is a dog, Like, and we'll link to this in the show notes, but it can caption things where it says, this is a black cat sitting on a beach with under a blue sky. So it will create full word captions and then apply those to your to your images. Crazy. So that's pretty if, cool. Yeah, that is really cool. If that's accurate, I would aim that at my Lightroom library because right. that's that's one of the issues that we have. You have all these thousands and thousands of images that we take, and we know that we should be keywording. We know that we should be captioning every single image, but who yeah. Who does well, that? I know you do it, Joseph. But <laughs> Well, no, actually, I'm terrible at keywording. Uh, and keywording is different from captioning. Captioning, you have to have an English language format that actually makes sense human readable format that makes sense keywords are just words they don't have to be a sentence it's just words in alphabetical order yeah the new raw by 500 px app for your iphone if you take a picture on there and then upload it to to uh, to 500 px's own website it will auto keyword so you'll get those pictures you'll get cat beach blue sky those show up automatically like all this other stuff it's not flawless but it's there and that stuff is just getting better and better yeah, that does need to be in Lightroom. You know, these are the these are the moments where you realize just how far behind some of that tech is. Now, Lightroom's got uh, Adobe Cloud. What do they call the um, Lightroom Mobile? No, not what's the Lightroom in the Cloud series? Uh, uh, Lightroom Web, I believe. Um, whatever it is, it's there. You would have that capability if, assuming that you synced your entire library to the web, you could do that and get that data pulled back at you, pulled back mm. into your actual library. So then it becomes interesting from a professional user standpoint getting them in there before you sent share them they're there privately just so i can search and that's exactly what photos is now doing you have that ability to search for cat and it might find pictures of a cat it also might find pictures of a pig a horse and a cactus but it's trying that is what it's trying to do so so joseph with that you mentioned the 500 px raw app um is, is there a place online where I can go to see an interview or a demo of of that app? <laughs> if only there was. Oh wait, yeah, no, we just had the we had 500 px guys on the Twip App Show just this week's episode. So uh, just search for that on the Twip Apps Show. There is raw by 500 px. Love it, cool, and good job on that. Yeah, congratulations. Thank you. That was a good show. That was a good episode. 
All right. Well, that's enough on Flickr. So if you guys want to check it out, I will, we'll link over to Thomas Hawks. He wrote a nice blog post on the pluses and minuses and why he thinks it's 1,000 times better than it was before and that it's, quote, here to stay. So I think you guys should, you know, even if you're not a Flickr user, Flickr is and remains a historic part of digital photography. So it is, uh, it's good to know what's there and, and what they are, you know, what their aim is in terms of innovating and keeping the service relevant. All right, we're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, we're going to talk about some new gear out of Panasonic and Fujifilm. This episode of TWIP is brought to you by Photomatix. Photomatix Pro is the industry-leading software for HDR photography, offering a wide range of effects from the most natural-looking to highly artistic and surreal, along with the best in alignment of handheld photos, advanced ghost removal, and much more. Are you new to HDR photography? Well, you should check out Photomatix Essentials. It's for those that are new to this technique. It's got a simplified workflow and built-in guidance for bracketing your images, and it still has the strength of Photomatics. And brand new to the Photomatics lineup is Photomatics OneShot. It's an extension for Apple Photos that adds Photomatics magic to single exposures. Download your free trial today. The trial does not expire and it just adds a Photomatics watermark to the final image. It's perfect for getting your feet wet and trying out the technique everyone has been talking about. HDRsoft.com has video tutorials and other resources to help you get started. Just head over to HDRsoft.com and click on download. That's hdrsoft.com and click on download. Photomatix Pro, it's the easiest way to create stunning HDR photos. All right, folks, we are back. This next story, you know, just like at the top, we talked about how that that DJI drone instantly made my current DJI drone obsolete. Panasonic is making my GH4 obsolete because apparently there's a number... Right after four. <laughs> <laughs> what are they going to call it, Frederick? Tell me, tell me more. I, I don't know. I can't, 4.1? I don't know. <laughs> GH2017? I don't know. What is <laughs> What is So, so Panasonic is, is, uh, has announced, they haven't launched it yet, but they've announced the GH5, which is a successor, obviously, to the, the GH4, which I have, which kind of set the standard in a lot of ways for professional level video in a really did. mirrorless handheld camera. So Joseph, this thing's coming out in 2017. Mm-hmm. You're a Lumix luminary, so mm-hmm. you better have some you better be able to illuminate this for us luminary. <laughs> what, what's what's up with this GH5, man? Well, I can't give you any inside track info. All I can talk about is what's obviously public, but uh yeah, one of the some of the big standout features, one of the big things that no one has done before and this is going to be really cool is the 422 10-bit 4K recording internally to get that level of quality before you had to go to an external device like a a Ninja Assassin, Shogun, something like that to be able to capture that. But now you're capturing it internally. It still will be an MPEG file because it is still writing it to a a micro SD card. But um, at least as far as I know, uh, as far as I know, you can't do ProRes internally. And I doubt that that would be something they would add just because the file sizes would be huge. And we know we were looking at the Blackmagic, um, what was that recorder called? You've got one. There, oh, it's the uh, the video assist. Black video assist. Video assist. Right, which does capture two SD cards, which is a little curious, but you can do ProRes, so you're quite limited on the size because you run out of space pretty quickly on those very little cards. Very quickly, yeah. Yeah, very quickly. So I kind of doubt that they would do the ProRes plus ProRes would have to be, have to be licensed, but it is MPEG, 422 10-bit, 4K MPEG. That's that's crazy cool. And then oh, the before other... You, before you continue, yeah. so all those numbers that you just rattled off... Mm. For people that don't care about video, that means nothing. You know, <laughs> like, right. Fair enough. You know, I don't. I don't want to be shooting video anyway. So this this whole Panasonic GH5 means nothing to me. So why, if they're not shooting video, is it still something they should consider? If you're not shooting video, well, yes, there is still a feature that you'll want if you're shooting any kind of action stuff. We'll get to that in a moment. Okay, but cool. it really is the GH5 really is designed for the video shooter from from the way it feels now. The, the GH4 H. As far as I understand it, H is meant to be hybrid. It's the hybrid still and video camera. And this oh, okay. absolutely is. Obviously, this thing will shoot stills as well as video. But I think that this camera, because the GH4 is so popular among video shooters, I think the GH5 really is targeted at the high-end video market. If you're a still photographer and that's all you care about, you don't really care about video, then the GX8 would be the camera to use. But that's more focused on the still photographer than 
this camera is. Not that it still doesn't do amazing video things. It does 4K video and all that, but it's it's the GX8 doesn't do the 42 internal. Um, it doesn't have 6K photo, which we'll get into in a moment. Mm-hmm. But the GH5 uh, will. So you know, it's it's more towards that video market. Okay. Okay. All right. Um, well, 6K video though. Who can can? How do you see that? Okay. Thank you. So thank you. I was. 6K. <laughs> it's perfect. So it's it's 6K. What they got is it's the 6K photo mode. It's not 6K video, 6K photo. And the whole thing of 6K photo, like 4K photo, is it's shooting – 4K photo is shooting 4K video at full video frame rate, so 30 frames per second. But it's shot in a higher shutter speed with the expectation that you're going to extract a still frame from it. So it's not meant to be shot as video. It's shot in a 4-3 aspect ratio instead of 16 by 9, and it is shot with a high shutter speed. So if you're doing sports or any kind of action work where you've got you know, that 10 frames a second or 15 frames a second isn't enough, 30 frames a second is more likely, twice as likely to capture that moment, then that's what 4K photo is. And with 4K photo, you extract an 8 megapixel still, which is quite low resolution by many standards, but it is still high enough resolution to print, say, a, a magazine cover. Or yeah, online, yeah. Well, obviously online. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. 6K photo is the exact same thing. It's just higher resolution at 6K. And the stills that you extract from that are 18 megapixel stills. Jeez, wow. So now you have the ability to shoot 18 megapixel, 30 frame per second images. So the end, I wrote a blog post on this a while back. This is essentially the end of the decisive moment, right? Because now <laughs> you can cover the whole thing and then go back and sit back with your glass of wine and harvest the decisive moment at your leisure instead of yeah, working thousands to and get thousands the right of moments. <laughs> well, keep in mind that it is because it's shooting what's essentially technically video. Uh, you are still shooting with available light. You can't shoot with strobes. So right, if you're a right. studio photographer, that's no not relevant. Right. Yeah. So if you're trying to get that studio strobe jump in the air, that decisive moment of the ballerina doing their thing, you still gotta you still gotta know how to shoot. Well, could you? It. What about sports photographers? I mean, is this well, a, yeah, so, this is it seems like a sports. dream for sports photographers. You're oh, shooting, yeah. You want to get the you want to get the you know the football player in the air grabbing for the football. You yeah. know, which if you're shooting traditionally, it's you go into burst mode, fill up your right. the buffer on your camera, and then hope you got it. This way, you <laughs> could get the entire thing, right? You really do. Yeah, you absolutely do that, and you can change. With the 4K photo mode, and obviously I'm assuming it's going to be the exact same as 6K photo, you can change how you trigger the the shutter. So you can either push it once to start recording, push it again to stop, like shooting video, or you can have it so that as long as you're holding the button, it's shooting. So then it's just like shooting uh, a high frame rate camera. You just hold the hold the button down and it shoots, take your finger off, and it stops shooting. Yeah. So that's where it's that's that sport mode, right? Absolutely, you put it in that mode. You're looking through the lens. The player is about to jump in the air and do his thing, and so you just start shooting just like you would before, except now you're shooting 30 frames a second instead of 12 or 10 or 8 or whatever your camera can do before. It's insane. I mean, that is that is. Can the gear that I have remain relevant for more than one year, please? I mean, like, like, well, as as, everything, my phone, my drone, my cameras, everything is like you know, or can these companies? Just follow Apple's lead and create a subscription program or Adobe's lead. Create a <laughs> subscription program and let me just keep paying for the rest of my life and you just keep sending me the new stuff, you know? <laughs> well, Frederick, as, as you and I both know, it's not the gear that makes the photographer. It's so not. It is definitely just because, not. But just because it's a it's, new toy doesn't mean your old toy is bad. But there's that thing that nags in the back of your neck, just like <laughs> the, when you have a dot on your in your dock that says you have new mail or a new you know, message or something, you have to go check it out. It's the same thing with this new gear for a lot of people. It's like, oh, there's something new. I don't really need, you know, 16K burst mode at 30 frames a second and 18 megapixel stills, but it sure would be nice to have it in my back pocket if I go. should ever be in a situation where I need it. So that said, Joseph, mm. um, I have a GH4 mm-hmm. I ha- and I have the GX8, which I feel like is like an awesome combination. I'm oh, using yeah. GH, the GH4. You've seen the studio stuff I've, I've started doing, right? It's yep. all with the GH4. It's beautiful. It's, I don't, and, and I feel much like I feel about the other kit stuff that I have. I have, I've yet to scratch the surface of sure. what that GH4 can do. Should someone like me be considering a move to a GH5 to replace the GH4, or should I just stick with my GH4 moving forward? Well, you're basically using the GH4 as a glorified webcam, so I uh, I don't think you need to upgrade. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a studio camera. <laughs> and right now, I'm not using a GH4. If you're if people are wondering, this is and a, I am this for C920 those who are watching. From... This I am on the GH4 for those who are watching. Oh, you are uh, on the GH4. Okay, okay yeah. Cool. So yeah, the GH4. I mean, 
look, the kind of stuff we're doing now, what I'm shooting right now, what we're recording at is 1080p, right? Mm-hmm. So we're using a quarter of the capability of 4K and obviously even less than that for the capability of 6K. So for this type of use, 4K is plenty. Now, HD is plenty. But I will say that where 4K comes in really handy for stuff like this, so again, for those watching, I'm in my recording studio. This is a a pre-lit setup environment that I use for all kinds of stuff. If I need to, if I'm recording a video for a client and I want to do a punch in on my face, a close-up to my face, which can either be because I'm just talking and we want to change camera angles or because I flubbed a line and I went back and redid it, so now we have to cut around it, with 4K, you can punch into that. Right, yeah. So I've got the ability to punch into a close-up on my face and then pull out to a wide shot all from a single shot. With the with 6K thing, you'll be able to do that even more. Now, no, again, we're talking 6K for the 6K photo and not as 6K video, yeah. but you'll still have that ability to, to do that. So, so the GH5 4K. will – it's, it's, the, it's the, the 4K or the 6K photo mode, so you can do that extraction of stills out of that. But right. it, it, am I hearing you right that I can also shoot 6K video with it so I can do I, video I, editing and punching in and out of that? So instead of just doing going from the shot that you have now to kind of a tight shot on your face, I could go to a tight shot on your, you know, your your eyeball, basically. Right. right? <laughs> no, from my understanding, as far as I get it, it is still – for your video, it's 4K. Okay. Your video but, – but why you would have that 6K photo, not 6K video, I'm not really sure. Again, I literally I know what is – what was announced at, uh, at Photo or something? I don't know. I'm don't not. Know. Yeah, it could be. Um, I'm not privy to any of that inside info. They don't tell and us. Does this mean the our GX9, job is to talk to the public? So we, I have the GX8 <laughs> that I love now. So next year it'll be the GX GX9 that they'll add in 6K burst mode that I'll have to have. Right? So it's, it's a never. It's Maybe. like Tarzan swinging from vine to vine and never getting anywhere. So. <laughs> well, you know, you made you made the comment about. Um, about the gear becoming irrelevant because something new comes out and why can't yeah. they make it like a subscription model? And you know, just before this show, I was doing my uh, my photo moment, photo justice photo moment, and I had a question on there from a, a viewer: Why mirrorless? Why did you make the switch to mirrorless? Why should I consider mirrorless and so on? And one of the points that I made, other than the obviously the size and the weight and all that cool tech stuff that's in there, if you think about a car. If you buy a car today, the car that you buy today is going to be the same car in a year or two years or five years or ten years from now unless you buy what? A Tesla, right? A Tesla gets better with every software update. It's right. constantly getting Smarter. better. Mm-hmm. Well, the Lumix cameras – and I, I can't speak for Sony and, and the other cameras. I don't know how they work. But with the Lumix cameras, there are regular firmware updates. I shouldn't say regular. They're not scheduled. But there are firmware updates that come out that add new features. Every Lumix camera that I have has gotten new features since I got it. And there is that you keep getting some of these new features. Now, obviously, if a feature requires a hardware upgrade, then you can't add that over software. But if the software, uh, if the hardware is there and they come up with some new thing you can do, then those features do come. So that's – the GH4 is a great example of that. They added a ton of stuff to the GH4 over its life, um, including the ability to shoot um, uh, the log, photo uh, – what's it called? Vlog. To be able to shoot Vlog, that was added via software years after the camera came out so you do still get those features added in yeah and yeah i mean and they do update other cameras as well right like the i know sony updates the one thing about sony that i found interesting is i've been harping on this whole idea of why you know these cameras that we have especially the mirrorless cameras are essentially supercomputers you know they're they're powerful computers image processing you're doing all this crazy stuff input it's a full computer in there that happens to have a lens on it how come i don't have an app store how come there's no app ecosystem yeah. for my phone or no, it's not for my phone but like my phone but for my camera yeah like inside Why don't they the camera do i know yeah i know exactly it's, just like the yeah. just like the iphone in the android store how come i can't have a panasonic app store that i can go in and get specialized niche software from th- different third-party developers sony tried to do that but you know some of the it's, it's a little bit kludgy to download the apps into the sony um mm. and they haven't really executed on that i want to see something explode like an app store ecosystem where i can make my camera do whatever i want obviously there'd be features that are manufacturer exclusives you know because they they can get into the hooks of the the optics sure. and all that but at the surface, like an intervalometer or things like that, different kinds of intervalometers, wouldn't that be awesome? That'd be oh, a whole new revenue stream. Yeah, it'd be a beautiful thing. But no, they haven't. 
I don't know. Cheryl, are you are you into video at all? Is this like I know this GH five when like when Joseph at the top was rattling off all those numbers? I was like, yeah, yeah. Even though I am into video a little bit, Joseph represents like Neo in the Matrix when it comes to video. <laughs> so, um, I mean, are you into it at all? I just um, I just fell in love with it. Actually, um, we had a hurricane here a few weeks ago. I went down to the beach with my camera and all. of course I got all this sand in, in the sensor as a result because it was a hurricane but um, mm-hmm. I shot this footage that I just fell in love with video so yeah. but I use I use um, Canon so I'm going to get the new Canon and oh uh, you're going to get the 5D Mark IV? I am I, I went down to Canon and I played with it so but I thought I think I think you know for the next my next creative juice is going to be video i just i fell in love with it it just oh yeah oh yeah i just totally fell in love with it, it who was it i think it was the, the snapchat ceo by the way snapchat announced a new product today or this week i don't know if you guys saw it but it was snapchat yeah so snapchat changed the name of the company to snap and obviously now one of their product products is snapchat and they now they have snap glasses that allow that pair to your phone and allow you to video and directly snap it so in one of the quotes that he said is relevant to this conversation, the CEO said that, and, you know, it's not like these CEOs have a crystal ball or anything, but he essentially said that uh, video is going to represent 80 to 90% of the traffic, video and multimedia, video and audio, going to represent 80 to 90% of the traffic on the internet in the next year or so, and it's on track to do that. Yeah, and especially when joseph was saying you can just pull out these stills as as you can do that more and more i mean it's it's the way to go i think yeah so joseph why wouldn't you just shoot video all the time instead of yeah. so uh why wouldn't i just shoot video all the time because there's for a lot of stuff there's no reason to shoot video you know if i'm setting up a shot if i'm setting up a i don't know a product shoot or a product photo or doing a portrait it doesn't if it doesn't need video then i'm not going to shoot video just so that i have 30 frames of the exact same thing within one second there's no benefit to me to that i'd rather shoot the still and i do a lot of work with strobes anyway so obviously that has to be stills um you know video has its place absolutely and 4k photo has its place but it's they're all just another tool in the toolbox and for the majority of still photography work i'm going to shoot stills yeah. No, yeah. no, I hear you. You know, at this workshop that I did, actually it was a it was a session at the Out of Chicago conference. Uh I took the the court the class on a photo walk and we did some really fun multiplicity shots where you have your subject sit in various places within the frame when your camera's oh, sure. locked down on a tripod. And uh you know, I was thinking this would be so in this would be so much easier to just roll video. And have someone move through the scene and then extract out the different stills that you're going to composite together in Photoshop. Sure. It's so crazy. So, yeah, you're right. This is another tool that we have available to us. And it's a, it's a good time to be a photographer, I think, both from the, the standpoint of shooting video with these crazy tools like the GH5, flying around with these drones, <laughs> you know, <laughs> the services that we can share stuff on. Like we were talking about Flickr, 500 Pix, all these. It's like... The the universe keeps not only expanding but also getting more and more refined as time goes on. We end up with all these capabilities. And all this stuff that we're talking about in this show is right on the heels of Apple's iPhone seven and and you know, the dual camera feature and them kind of making the move into computational photography with the merging of images from both lenses into one to simulate bokeh. So it's it's gonna be an That's interesting crazy. world. Yeah, it's an interesting world. You start seeing these overlays between the worlds and we're only in 20 end of you know last quarter of 2016 right now what is it going to look like in the last quarter of 2020 (laughs) you know (laughs) this assuming we make it that far but you know (laughs) last quarter of 2020 could be really really interesting all right guys let's uh so there's another uh story in here i was going to touch on i think just in the interest of time, we'll push this one off to next week. Is about Fujifilm and them announcing their GFX mirrorless medium format camera with 51.4 megapixels. So we're gonna we'll link to it in the show notes, but then we'll we'll talk to, we'll talk about it on the uh, on the next episode. So let's uh, let's move into listener Q and A. This is a segment where we take a question from the Twip Army and present it to you guys to answer. This question this week's question comes to us from Jeremy Lanthorn, and Jeremy says, 
I'm looking for tips to make bruises stand out. <laughs> he says, I shoot a lot of sports and action, so I want to take I want to make the athletes look like they are tough. I've been doing a lot of portraits right after wrestlers come off the mat, but while I know some of them are bruised, it's not showing up very well. Is there a tip for lighting and processing the images to make bruises stand out? Cheryl, what do you think? How do you how do you make people look beat up? <laughs> <laughs> the easiest thing is in Lightroom to you know, bump up the clarity. I mean, that's going to mm-hmm. make a bruise more grittier. I mean, that, mm-hmm. you know, with that's, you know, you can use brush, use clarity and bring that up. Um, that would be the easiest thing. Yeah, because usually it's the opposite. Usually people want to hide blemishes. Yeah. And by using one of the ways to at least start down that path is to use negative clarity in Lightroom. In other words, instead of dragging the slider to the right, you drag it to the left and it does the opposite. Instead of bringing out detail, it it blends it and makes detail softer. So, yeah, yeah, that's one way. And then contrast and obviously bumping up the saturation and all that. So, yeah, Joseph, what do you think, man? What do you think? If if I want to if I want to take some shots and make that person look like, you know, they uh, they've been beat up, how do you how do you do that in Photoshop? Well, okay, but you said lighting as well. One of the things you could think about with lighting is if you are shooting straight on flash is never flattering, right? It really highlights all the flaws. You want soft lighting to hide flaws. So if he's got that ability to shoot big strobes straight on, it's not the most flattering look, but it is going to really bring out the dirt on their skin, the the uh, sweat on their brow, and yeah, any bruises that are on them, that's probably going to look a bit, bit more dramatic in there. And then I haven't tried this, but I would think perhaps a polarizer brush might bring some of that out um, just to kind of enhance the contrast between them and bring the blues out that might make it look a little bit more bruised yeah no no i think those are those are good tips yeah it's hard for me to answer that because i've spent my my entire photographic career doing the exact opposite of that you know (laughs) exactly cloning things out and you know patching and color correcting and clarity to make people look better i never really thought about how to make them look worse so yeah good good tips good tips and great question jeremy i appreciate that all right, listeners, if you have a question you'd like us to answer on the show, just click on that Contact Us button at the top of the page on thisweekinphoto.com to submit us a question, and we might answer it on a future episode. And also, if you have a question for any of our shows, you can use that same Contact Us form to select the show that you'd like to send feedback to and send it directly to that host. For example, select TWIP apps, and it will send a message directly to Joseph Linashke. Well, you can That's compliment me. him. Compliment him on his haircut. <laughs> <laughs> oh, All right, guys. Man. All right. When we come back, we're going to uh, we're going to dive into the last part of the show, and that's our picks of the week. Coming soon to the Twip Network, a brand new show called Pocket Shooters. We believe this is an extremely important show, and the time has come for mobile phone photography to be taken seriously. The capabilities in some of these late model iPhone and Android devices is nothing short of amazing, and the image quality is getting close to what previously was only achievable using professional cameras. This show will explore the vast universe of tools, software, and techniques that you can employ to begin creating pro-level mobile phone shots today. So, head over to twip.pro slash pocket shooters and get in on our early announcement list and be one of the first people to check out this brand new show on the Twip Network. Once again, that's twip.pro slash pocket shooters. All right, let's jump into our Picks of the Week segment. Remember, your pick can be anything as long as it is somehow related to photography. Cheryl, I'm going to let you go first. I know you have a couple of good picks for us. What's your, what are your picks of the week? Well, I picked two books. The first one, I think you can see, it's uh, M-Train by Patti Smith. And for those who don't know, Patti Smith is a poet, uh, a, a Pulitzer Prize winner. And didn't she sing a song in the eighties? Like, like she had some. She has some. She's an artist, right? Yeah, she's a recording artist. I don't even know uh, what her songs were. I, she was actually in the music business when I was in the music business, but I didn't didn't know her. She wasn't on my my label. But she also uh, lived with Robert Maplethorpe, who's he's a very famous photographer. So this book, M Train, her and her husband Fred, who is a guitar player, who who has. Uh, who died, but anyway, 
they go and photograph objects like Tolstoy's teddy bear or somebody else's uh, chair. And so it's really interesting. They go and they research these places and they go through quite excursions to get to some of these places to photograph like that chair and table. And it's just, it's a, it's just a fantastic book. She writes like, like a photograph. Every, every passage is, is visual, like a photograph. Um, so I good. highly recommend it. And then I picked another book that I read this summer called Hold Still by Sally Mann. And Sally Mann, for those who don't know who she is, Sally Mann had a very controversial collection of photographs where she photographed her children as they were growing up. And she was harassed and had to go to court. Some people said it, it was child abuse. And her photographs are very famous. They're in, in you know, the museums across the country. She won the award and um, trial. She's just, it's, it's, she's so artistic. It's so interesting. So, um, you know, I teach photography at college and, and as a mentor and online, and I always try to bring people back to the photographers, the iconic ones that um, preceded all of us and the ones that are alive now because it's great motivation for ideas. So that's, those are my picks. Love it. Love it. So that was those two picks. Let me pull those up again. Um, where were you? So Patty, was it M-Train? M-Train by Patty Smith and Hold Still by Sally Mann. Correct? Yeah, and the, just one thing about the M-Train, the, the prices of the paperback and the hardback are like a dollar difference. So I, I did plug in the, uh, the code to the hardback because it's, it's, it's just a neat book and it has a deckled edge it's just it's just a piece of art in itself very good see those are good picks because it's normally we get I mean, even on this show we get so far in the weeds in terms of gear and hardware and very you know we, we need to get more towards swinging the pendulum back in the other direction of the art and the the subjectivity and the the passion that goes into photograph you know photography and the storytelling aspect of it so these are perfect oh, uh, and thanks for yeah thank you for for sharing these Cheryl all right Joseph yes, you sir. uh you have a workshop coming up in Oaxaca right, what, Oaxaca. what's that about that is correct, sir. Um, Oaxaca, Mexico. It is, so this is going to be really exciting. It's not just a photography workshop. It's a cultural tour, cultural tourism combined with a photography workshop. So my partner in crime in this, his name is Eric Mindling. He is American, but he lived uh, basically half of every year for the last 30-odd years, 25 to 30 years, he has lived down in Oaxaca, Mexico. And he's been running a tour company down there for years, giving people tours of – it could be tours about textiles. It could be tours about food. It could be tours about any number of things. And so a couple of years ago, we came up with this idea to – combine this type of tourism along with a photography workshop. And so we're going to be going all over the area of Oaxaca and we're going to be looking, going into people's homes and looking at textile making, looking at food making, looking at artists, looking at architecture, looking at landscapes, looking at all the different things that happen and are able to be seen down there and turn it into the whole thing into a photography education, a photo workshop along with the uh, the cultural tourism part of it. So it's going to be a combination of the two and be really, really exciting, really fun. We're hitting a huge festival while we're down there. It's time to coincide with that. Uh, you can see if you're watching the screen now, I see you're scrolling through it, it. We hit kind of various specific topics as we go from city to city, but obviously we'll be talking about everything everywhere. And this is in January of next year. January of 2017, and seats are now available for sale. Just go to photojoseph.com slash workshops, and you can learn everything you need to know and sign up. And there is a discount available for signing up before uh, November 1st. So if you get your purchased ticket in before November 1st, then uh, you get a little discount off the price. Very cool. Very cool. Awesome. I like I like the trend of of cultural tours. And we've we've talked about this in the show before, but yeah. the the whole trend of like you're not just going to a new location and saying, okay, this is a f stop, this is a shutter speed. You know, pay right. no attention to the the culture that's around you. Just you know, let's figure out how to make how to capture this location. And it sounds like if and correct me if I'm wrong, it sounds like you're going. You're going to be doing that, but you're also saying, okay, but let's also explore. Let's let's taste the food and Absolutely. and understand this location that we're in that way that will inform your photographs more, right? Exactly. Yeah. Like for example, we're going to be going to one place where they'll be making uh, 
He's making tortillas by hand and you can, mm. uh, you can choose to put your camera down and go get involved, go make the food, or you can sit back and take pictures or you can swap back and forth. It's up to you. You know, this is, think of it like uh, an amazing vacation, an incredible location where you're going to be with like-minded people, people who are, want to shoot beautiful images, who want to experience this culture that frankly, most people will never experience because number one, you can't get to the places that we're going if you just go there on your own. Ain't going to happen. Yeah. We're going to be going yeah. into people's homes. And the only reason we can do that is because Eric has been living there for almost 30 years and he knows these people and we're invited places that normal people will not get to go to. So there's that. Plus the cultures are changing very quickly down there. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like getting into Cuba. You know, you want to go to Cuba as soon as you can because it's changing. That's, yeah. that's this. It's just far more remote and most people don't think about it. So it's, it's going to be a beautiful place. And then obviously we'll be shooting. And so you get that combination of an incredible vacation location, seeing beautiful, beautiful things and learning a thing or two about photography while you go and coming back with some of the best vacation photos you've ever had. Love it. Love it. Very cool, man. Congratulations. It sounds like it's going to be a good time. I wonder, you know, well, how many, how many people are you taking with you? What's your max? 11 is our max. Okay. So we, and there's two, so two instructors with 11 students and, uh, Part of the size, obviously, we want to keep it small because all workshops are better when they're reasonably small. And also, we have a vehicle that is reserved for the for our transportation everywhere, and there's a maximum number of seats. So. Yeah, no, no, that makes that makes total sense. I mean, that's the same limit that we have in Vietnam because of those limitations. Because you can yeah. only fit so many people at one table, or you know, two right. tables in the restaurants, and so many people on the buses, and then you know, it. Yeah, that number makes a whole lot of sense. And when do you do Vietnam? Um, November 24th, I'm taking off. Oh, that's coming up. Okay. Yeah, cool. yeah. I'll be there. I will be there for my birthday on November 28th. If you want to send me something, you know, I could, uh, <laughs> I could use that drone if you want to, you know, oh, brave, I see. I'll, brave I'll, the I'll DJI, up, you know, ordering system. You could get me one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. So my pick is real quick. And we talked about this. I think we did an ad insert for this on this episode, but uh, I'm really excited for this new show that we're about to launch. It's called Pocket Shooters. It's all about mastering mobile photography and my friend Julio Shorio and I take you through the, the the basically the basics of photography using a mobile device along with how to get you know how to get good shots what are the what is the right software to install on your device what's the bad software Android, iOS, all that stuff. Anything that's related to shooting with mobile phones. We talk about DxO, the DxO One. We'll probably be talking about this new DJI drone, the Mavic that's out there. So all kinds of stuff on this brand new show. The show has not launched yet. Launched yet? We'll be launching in a couple of in about a week now, or a week from today as we record this on on uh, September twenty seventh. But if you want to get on our early notification list so that you can know when we push the show out, just head over to pocketshooters.com, all one word. It's at pocketshooters.com. You can sign up, check it out, and uh, you might even win a prize because we may be giving a prize away to people that are on the early notification email list, or at least one person, one or two people that are on that list. So definitely go check that out at pocketshooters.com. All right, guys. Uh, before we end the show, just quickly give me a heads up as to where people can find you and keep up with you as they, uh, you know, since since the sad show is over, we have, we're at the end of it. We can't, can't hang out any longer. So, Joseph, if people want to find out where you are and see what you're working on and all that good stuff, what's, uh, what's a good location for that? Everywhere is Photo Joseph. You can go to photojoseph.com, Photo Joseph on the Facebooks, on the Twitters, on the Instagrams, and everywhere else keeps it easy. And if you want to see my shining face on a daily basis, which God only knows why anybody would want to do that, but I do have a, a fairly new daily show, photography show. It's Photo Joseph's Photo Moments. We go live on Facebook every morning at 9.30 a.m. at facebook.com slash photojoseph. And you can obviously participate if you're watching it live, chat in the chat room, and I will uh, – call out, answer any questions that come up as we go, or you can catch up on all of them on YouTube. It's probably the easiest. If you go to photojoseph.com slash moments, it'll redirect you to the YouTube playlist because YouTube still doesn't allow you to make a nice, clean URL for a playlist. So yeah, photojoseph.com slash moments will take you there. But yeah, we talk. the topics can be anything photography related. Sometimes I talk about a, a project that I'm working on, a shoot that I've done, or what I really like to do is answer user questions like, or viewer questions like this morning's why mirrorless question, which is a really fun show. So that's great. And photo Joseph photo everywhere. Moment. So, so the, from the title, it sounds like they're bite sized. They're smaller. Or, or that's how, the idea. Some the of them turn into bigger ones. Um, this morning's was almost half an hour because we really got into 
mir- I mean, mirrorless is a pretty big topic. But yeah, some of them are, have only been a few minutes long. Um, some of them are just little tips, little clever things I come up with that I want to share or ideas that I have. And sometimes I'll be talking about a shoot. Hey, we're on location. If you go through the list, you'll see a lot of them scattered all over the place. It's It's been a fun little thing. It's kind of a, a video blog slash photography education resource. And that, that photo Joseph name is awesome, dude. I think you should oh my do, God. I think you, I'm not going to talk about where that name came from, but I think you should do a partnership with photo Jojo. So, oh you know, kind of, it writes itself, man. Come on. There you go. There you go. Well, cool. Well, Too congratulations funny. on all the things you're doing. I think Thanks, man. Thanks. Fantastic. It's been fun. All right. And Cheryl, what about you? If people want to connect with you and, and get into your mind or, or get on one of your workshops, where should they go? Well, unlike Joseph with the easy name, I have my long name, Cheryl Mishat Dorskin. So my website, it's got, a, you know, got my workshops, it's got my online classes, it's got my mentoring, etc. So just, and we'll link to that, so, but if, if people are trying to write this down now, it's your, your name is spelled with a C, C-H-E-R-Y-L, M-A-C-H-A-T and Dorskind D-O-R-S-K-I-N-D dot com but we'll link to that thank you I think Cheryl I'm going to rename you I think you should just go to CMD dot com or something (laughs) you know and shorten the name so people can get to it quickly I know I think that's awesome well thank you Cheryl for coming on I appreciate it oh it's great to be back Awesome. And I think that's it. We're at the end of another episode of This Week in Photo. Be sure to visit us at thisweekinphoto.com and check out, obviously, the TWIP School at twipschool.com. And we're obviously on YouTube. We are on Twitter. We're on Facebook and all the usual places. Please check that. Check us out there. And also check out the other shows that we have on the TWIP network. Joseph runs a fantastic show called TWIP Apps. You can find that. Joseph, we, we've set that up at twipapps.com, right? That is correct. Yeah, so you can get over the, get to that at twipapps.com or just go to thisweekinphoto.com and click on apps in the main menu and you'll see all the hard work that Joseph has put into bringing you the best and the brightest of photography apps, whether they be on Android or... I don't know. Have you done any Android apps yet? I know you've done some iOS apps we've and had, Mac apps. We've had several apps that are on both platforms that are on iOS and on Android, but we've everything's been shown on iOS and that's just up to the developer. They can show it on whatever platform they want to show it on. But we've had we've had Mac apps, Windows apps, and iOS iOS apps. We haven't had anything that's actually been shown on Android. But like I said, a lot of the apps that we get are cross platform. So it's just up to the up to the developer. Love it. Cool man. Well thanks for doing that show and thanks for coming on. Absolutely. All right, listeners, you know what time it is. It's time to take that lens cap off. This Week in Photo is a Pixelcore.tv production produced by Suzanne Llewellyn with technical producers John Riley and Alutha Jamakar.